Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hi, everybody. Well, I'm happy to report that Luann and I are actually at the same dining room Yay! table again. I know she's traveled, I traveled, but we're finally in the same place. Yes, it feels forever. It, it does. And I appreciate so much Heidi being willing to, yes. to step in. And yeah, that was yes. good too. It was a yeah. wonderful podcast. Very, very good. Yeah, thank you. But we're back. The <laughs> yes. band is back together again. <laughs> so I'm going to begin this episode by asking Luann a very deep thing. Theological oh, no. question. Did you have hamsters when you were growing up? No. Your no. sisters didn't have hamsters? No, my friends did, but our family did not. Okay. My mother did not like animals at all. Really? She didn't like to touch them. She didn't like anything. No I mean, dogs, nothing. Okay. Well, we had a bird once, but, but no, no hamsters. Well, my <laughs> husband and I were visiting my son in Ohio and his family. And so my granddaughter, Margo, who just turned seven, she always is so excited <laughs> to bring out our grand hamster. <laughs> and his name is Calcium. Calcium. That, that's the best part, <laughs> is that of all the names, she <laughs> chose to name him Calcium. I love that. I have no idea. The mind of Margot. But I'm always amazed that every time we go, calcium is still alive. Yeah, and really. I'll always tell Margot, oh my gosh, he's still alive. Because <laughs> her daddy had hamsters oh. when he was younger. And the lifespan of a hamster in our household was very short. Calcium <laughs> is a wonder to me. And it isn't that we didn't take good care of them. We would feed them. We, we did all the things yes. that you're supposed to do sure. for a hamster. And they would be running like little fools on their wheelie well, things yes. at night. Yes. And then the next morning, feet up in the air, dead as a doornail. <laughs> <laughs> and we never had any idea. We should have done like a forensic <laughs> autopsy or something because it happened over and over. And we have oh, no idea like if they God. just ran so hard, they, they died or I don't know. Well, okay, the point of this... I was going to say, where are we <laughs> going with she this? She has no clue where this is going, <laughs> is that it occurred to me that a lot of people, I think, feel like one of those hamsters mm, trapped mm -hmm. in a cage on this endless wheel where wow. they're, they're getting nowhere and they run and they run and they run and then they die. Yeah. And that's life. Whoa, whoa. You're stuck on this little wheel and then you die and that's, that's all. <laughs> It's hard to find meaning, hard to find purpose, and it, it can be very discouraging for wow. folks who feel like that's all that life is. Yes. I, I had a, a funny boss that I worked for for 18 years. She was great. And when things would kind of go sideways on a project we were doing, her favorite expression was, life is hard and then you die. Oh, yeah. I've heard that <laughs> a kind of Yeah, kind of <laughs> sums up the hamster philosophy. Yes. So I think one of Satan's biggest weapons is to convince us that our lives don't matter. No, that's you right. know, that our the work we do doesn't mm -hmm. matter, that we're not making a difference mm -hmm. to anyone else, that our lives are small and meaningless right. and God can never use us and that it's never gonna change. All of those lies that right. he can bombard us with. So today we're gonna talk about that and how even in the mundane things of life 
there is meaning and God has a yes. purpose and he can show up and yes. change everything quickly. And, right. and Luann has a private Facebook page called Fiercely Loved. Mm-hmm. And she did a message on there, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, yeah, maybe? About, yeah, yeah, about two weeks. Okay. Just two weeks ago. And it yeah. was so good that I said to her, we got to do this on a podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to just let her explain what she shared yeah, it's so funny yeah. because I never know what I'm going to be saying. It's always like the day before, then the Lord... It's only and 15, you're always in your car. <laughs> you know, always in the car <laughs> if I do a live thing. And it's only 15 minutes long, but it's enough, mm-hmm. you know, They're just good. to kind of give to people. And the um, private group is about 70 women right now, so uh-huh. it's been real sweet. Anyways, this story is taking place in First Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 to 27. And it came to me because when you were just talking about the mundane of life, God is planning things. You know, when people sometimes say, oh, God's always working, God's always working. I'd be like, uh, you know what? Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> but when's you know, something going to show up? And you just start thinking like that yeah. sometimes. But it says that God's always working. Well, here, this story mm-hmm. is so good. Mm-hmm. And this is right before Samuel is called to be king. And I'm sorry, Saul is to be king. So Saul's father's name is Kish. Mm-hmm. And he tells Saul to take one of his servants because their donkeys were missing. So how mundane is that to go running around trying to find these donkeys? I can relate. Our donkey got out once. Oh, we, oh. He headed straight. Sorry, this is a little side. Okay. He headed straight for the road. And it was like he was going to run out on the highway. Oh, yeah. And his little taste of freedom. And in our house is like a quarter of a mile from the road. So he was zipping down the driveway. I jumped in the golf cart and it was like I was one of those (laughs) Westerns. Like I I was going to round him up, you know, so anyway, yes, it worked. I was able to kind of steer him around, but so lost donkeys are no joke. Well, and that obviously meant a lot to his father. And and they just run. Yeah. And so these donkeys are lost (laughs) and he's telling Saul to take the servant and go. So they mentioned a couple of the cities that they go to and they can't find these donkeys. And it does not say how long they've been gone, but they've been gone long enough for Saul to say to the servant, we better go back. Because now my father's going to be concerned about us more than the donkeys. Yeah. And it doesn't say the time frame, so, but to me, it's they've been gone yeah. for quite some time. I mean, how would they even know what direction no, look, to start had, in? I even thought they had no phone. Like, they had nothing. You had to just turn around and walk back. And so the area wasn't as big as you might think, but it was big enough. And they'd be gone for a long period of time. Okay. But it makes this story even more amazing about how God can orchestrate our steps, that they even went in the right direction. Yeah, I know. They went to every place they could possibly go to find these donkeys. Okay. And so they get to the final city called Zoop. Z-U-P-H. Z-U-P-H. When they show up at Zoop is when he said, we should go back. And then the servant's the one that says, mm-hmm. wait a minute, Saul, there's a seer, which is a wise man mm-hmm. here. And he's always right. Everything he says tells people he's right, which is going to be Samuel. Mm-hmm. And he said, why don't we just go ask him? He'll know where these donkeys are and we'll go <laughs> find them. So this is what makes the story very cool. So here's the mundane. They are looking for these donkeys. On their journey into the city, they see some women there. They ask him, is there a seer here? They're like, yes. Actually, he's right there. He's coming towards you because he's going up to the high place to pray. Mm-hmm. And Samuel was going there and Saul is right in front of him. Mm. Then in verse 15, it says, now a day before Saul's coming, 
The Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince or king over my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Mm -hmm. So the day before, this is what's so cool. Okay, Saul has no idea. He has no idea. He's just looking for the donkeys. Mm -hmm. This is the mundane in our life. We're just doing what we're told to do. He has no idea that the day before, God speaks to Samuel, who is in Zerp or Zerf. He's in that city, knowing that's going to be the last city that Saul ends up in before he goes home because they can't find them. Mm -hmm. And he's in that city. Samuel happens to be there. And then Samuel begins to talk to him saying, you're the man. Yeah. You're going to be king of you Israel. Imagine? Is that crazy? Yeah. So here we are when we think about the mundane in our life and think that we're insignificant and he is not moving. He is always working. Mm-hmm. I have put here, can we trust God even if our lives don't make much sense? Yeah. Can we trust him in that? I mean, it's it's a hard place to be sometimes. And that's something I am learning this summer is just a learning curve. I can feel it and tell. <laughs> but something I'm really in learning is, you know, do you really trust him? Mm. And I, I was like, yeah, I do. Then why am I having so many questions? You can trust him in the mundane. You can trust him whenever he's choosing to take his time. And I also put here, can we believe that our lives are significant in his sight and in the big scheme of things? Yeah. Our life is significant yeah. to him. That's right. In the big scheme of things, he has things planned. And we could be walking down the street and somebody out of the clear blue changes our life. That changed Saul's life. It changed his life. We talk about how, like you said, oh yeah, God's always at work behind the scenes and we can't see it. But I love the stories where that is exactly what was happening because he had to prepare all that stuff. He had to get the donkeys loose. (laughs) All of it. All of it. All of it. So why do we have such a hard time believing he can do that for us? I have no idea. And I don't know why, or we feel like, uh, this is no big, whatever we're doing. And all he's asking that we be faithful to that mundane thing. Yeah. This was just one research study or poll or something they did. It said that only about 10% of jobs are considered skilled Oh, 10%. So that means that 90% of people are doing unskilled jobs. Yes. And it would be easy to feel like, you know, I'm just going to the plant every day. I'm just doing the same thing. That high? 90%. I don't know. I know. I'm not sure how they define skilled or unskilled. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the point. There are not going to be that many people doing these big things that that as Christians, we can feel like, well, we're nothing because we're not speaking to crowds of 10,000 or... Right. It's easy to just feel like my little piece, my little faithful piece to teach Sunday school or whatever it is, is what's the big deal there? Well, you know what? That's so funny that you said that because I heard the other day that song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord Mm -hmm. by Ray Boltz. And it talks about the Sunday school. Oh, right. It talks about the Sunday school. And I want to come up and say thank you Mm -hmm. for giving to the Lord. And the missionaries. missionaries came to the church. Yeah. Oh, it just gave me chills. So it's something I am learning because I think with a personality, (laughs) and I keep blaming the Lord for my personality, (laughs) with this A personality, I'm always want to go, 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 and do, 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 and 
obviously we all walk through mundane. So it's not like I'm first learning this, Yeah, but I'm learning it differently. And it's been kind of good. It's been really good. And that's one thing I wrote down too, is can we trust God's heart for us mm-hmm. in that mundane? Because even in the mundane, our heart can wither if we allow it, because we think that, oh, is this all there is? Hey. Just like you said. Speaking of song lyrics, <laughs> oh, as yes. I was preparing for this, <laughs> I just kept thinking about an, an old song by Twyla Paris. Oh, she was one of my favorites in the day. Yes. It really goes along exactly with what we're talking about. And it's called I Will Listen. If it's okay, I'm going to read yes, the, the lyrics to this because there's a lot of great stuff packed in these lyrics. Okay, this is what it says. Hard as it seems, standing in dreams, where's the dreamer now? I wonder if I wanted to try, would I remember how? I don't know the way to go from here, but I know that I have made my choice. And this is where I stand until he moves me on, and I will listen to his voice. This is the faith, patience to wait, when there's nothing clear, nothing to see, still we believe Jesus is very near. I can't imagine what will come, but I've already made my choice. This is where I stand until he moves me on and I will listen to his voice. Could it be that he is only waiting there to see if I will learn to love the dreams that he has dreamed for me? I can't imagine what the future holds, but I've already made my choice. And this is where I stand until he moves me on and I will listen to his voice. Wow. And I I think the lines in that that really hit me. The part where she said, could it be that he's only waiting there to see if I will learn to love the dreams that he has dreamed for me? Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first heard that song, that line struck me. But but now as we're talking about this, to me, that's the crux Mm -hmm. of this whole thing. We're most fulfilled when we're most surrendered to God's dream for us. Yes. Not necessarily our dream, Uh, right? Yes, correct. And he does have a dream sure. for us. In Ephesians 2.10, it talks about how we're his workmanship, mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. I think that's an individual thing. Yes. Yeah. I think also, sometimes we can, this is another thing I've learned, we can hold on to that with a clenched fist. Oh, Yeah. And I'm very guilty of it. Once you open that hand and say, okay, I don't want to fight this anymore. Yeah. I'm willing to trust you. When you think about it, if he's given you the gifts, he wants them used. Right. But he wants them used the way he sees fit. Yes. Not sometimes the way we think it should be. <laughs> that's the hard part. And that's really the hard part. And I know a bazillion people that deal with that. Mm-hmm. It's almost everybody. And you think it's one way. And it's another way. Yeah. I don't think he teases us. I don't think it's to harm us at all. He says he has a plan and a future that is good. But if he needs us in certain areas of Mm -hmm. life to use the gifts he's given, as long as we're willing to use those gifts, obviously, some people don't want the gifts he's given, then he will set the tone. That's how I feel. Yeah. And that when we do open our hands, yes. like I said it just a bit ago, I think that is when we are actually most fulfilled. Yes. And yeah. that selfish ambition yeah. can get in there again where you know we want to make a name for ourselves, kind of grandiose. Or you know, ideas. I was watching I was listening to a young man, he was talking to actually this is a former student. He loved sports so much. But the Lord had to show him 
what's on the throne of your life. Yes. And I think that's what it is with all of us, with our dreams and our mm-hmm. those things. I don't think it's wrong to dream. I don't think that it's wrong to have a dream bigger than yourself. When there's something bigger than yourself, I think that shows obviously then you truly need God. You're not going to just yeah. do this on your own. Right. But I also think that when I saw this with this, this young man, when we put our dreams on a throne of our life mm. and not the Lord, mm-hmm. then I believe he has to say, we got to switch that. That cannot be on the throne of your life because when that happens, then how does he trust you yeah. in the place he's taking you? That's true. If he's not on the throne. Yeah, I heard, I think it was Joyce Meyer, say your gifts can take you where your character won't keep you. Yes, that's such a great line. And, you know, when we get outside of God's dream for us Mm -hmm. and we're pursuing our own things, then we may achieve some level of success, maybe or maybe not, but it's going to seem hollow and empty and not fruitful. Right, correct. And there's lots of examples out there of people that have achieved what they thought was their dream and found it very empty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. staying right in that lane of, okay, God, I'm going to learn to love the dream yes. that you've dreamed for me. Help me I find it. I dreamed a dream of time gone by. <laughs> Is that from Phantom? No, no, that's from, I don't know. I remember that lady singing it. I forget what it's from. And now we've entered the show tune <laughs> section of our podcast. Um, yeah, An example that I thought of, even the disciples wrestled with their dream of yeah. what this whole thing with Jesus Okay, they're following Jesus, and we can see that it's apparent that they let some of their own ambition get mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Judas is the best example well, because sure. he was on a whole different page yeah, and yeah. got very disillusioned and yes. all that. But I thought of the little interchange that Jesus had with Peter. It's from Mark 8, and it Mm -hmm. says that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise from the dead. And he was stating the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on man's. So it, it can Good. slide in there, yeah. even with somebody like Peter, yes. who was right there with Jesus. Sure. Can you imagine pulling Jesus aside and rebuking him? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Peter had his own idea, and it didn't involve Jesus dying. Yeah, right. No, right. You know, so they had a real hard time, understandably, but they had a hard time. Oh, yeah. What? This is the script for this? Oh, yeah. How'd this happen? <laughs> yeah. And actually, though, when you think about it, with him going, now they had to go out and do it. There are good examples also of how the mundane can suddenly turn into very non-mundane. You know, yeah. they're going out fishing, yes. and Jesus says, "Follow me," yeah. and their whole lives go. Their are whole turned lives upside down. That's exactly right. That's so good. The no. scripture is full of stories of how God would just take people doing their normal daily stuff, yes. and all of a sudden just Do- turn it upside down. Yeah, I had one here. I was thinking about Simon of Sari. Oh, yeah. And it says in Luke 23, 26, a man, which is Simon, coming in from a country, he was placed to carry Jesus's cross. He was just... <laughs> he was there for the probably the Passover. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just walking in, just going in and doing his own thing. So for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they just grabbed him and said, you're carrying his cross and changed the man's life. 
I'd love to know. Maybe he'll be in heaven. Well, I hope he will. Yeah. I know. I hope he will, but we don't know anything else. I want to know the rest of the story. <laughs> I, I always we, want to know the rest of the story. We can make it up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. So people like that, I think we even talked about this before, but even the shepherds, when they are in the field, they're doing their mundane thing. And then the Lord shows up. Mm-hmm. And that's in Luke 2, 8. And it says even in, in that part, when I was reading it again, when the angels show up, I mean, they all fell down mm-hmm. because they were blown away by who this was. Yeah. Think about the shepherds in those days. They're known as like nothing. The outcasts. They were like they the lowest. They truly are yeah. nobody of nobody. Mm-hmm. And they get the alarm that says he's, a, he's arrived. I know. Is that the coolest thing? Yep. Here's the most mundane thing you could possibly do. Now we know David though, David took advantage of his mundane shepherding and he worshiped the Lord there. That's where a lot of songs have come from. Yeah. So he took advantage of that a little bit. Right. We don't know about these other guys, what they've done, but just by the, him showing that it was shepherds tending to their flock, doing exactly what they yeah. always do. Well, you know, it's interesting how often the shepherd thing shows up in scripture because David yeah. was just out there tending his sheep when Samuel showed up to anoint the king, yeah. and, you know, and he went through all the other brothers and, yes. you know, then it's like, oh yeah, well, there's this little runt that's out there with the sheep and Samuel says, go get him yeah. and he anoints him king of Israel. Yes. Yes. And it was that's just a normal good. shepherding day for David. Yeah. Uh, Moses was tending sheep when the burning bush thing happened. He sure was. That's exactly yeah. right. I don't know why that analogy keeps popping up in scripture, maybe because we're like sheep. Moses, I'm sure, learned an awful lot when he was out there shepherding sheep for 40 years, and then he was going to have to shepherd the people of Israel who were about as cantankerous as sheep. Yes. (laughs) Hey, good word. You know what? I don't, I don't, the thing of me is I'm wondering in those 40 years, he didn't really have, that's another thing that just came, he didn't have the experience to go and deliver people. Uh Uh-uh. It was when the Lord shows up to him, gives him the call to do it, then it gives him how to do it. I mean, he said he couldn't speak, speak well. Yeah. Like, he, what are you sending me for? I, <laughs> he had no confidence. He had gone from the palace of Pharaoh yes. out there. To, he had to learn how to tend sheep too, because he'd led it, this probably pampered life. That's right. So he just learns how to do the sheep thing. And then all of a sudden God says, okay, I got <laughs> another job you. for you. Know. you know, you're going to deliver all these well, people. Well, this is what's funny. And then we all know what happened with Saul because he got, he got jealous and everything. One thing that I was reading, and I don't remember who the, who the author of the commentary was, but he said, when Saul's ready to be crowned king, they can't find him. He's hiding. He's hiding with around the, the baggage. baggage. <laughs> I read with that the thing baggage. Too. And I'm like, what the heck's he doing that for? And some commentary said they felt like he felt unworthy of yes. this and he didn't want to do it. Yes. Because he says, I can't, I can't do this. I mean, when you look at Saul's life, that's an interesting study because he's so insecure Yes. then, but he's even insecure as a king. That's why mm-hmm. he went so crazy over yes. David. That's, that's his exactly. insecurity plagued him his entire life. That's good. He was taller than anybody else. Yeah. And he was the most, most handsome. handsome. This guy mm-hmm. is like gorgeous. And he has this kind of insecurity. Insecurity. I know. Here's another interesting thing, because when I was reading about uh, Saul, so, this got me yes. curious. 
he said he was from the least tribe in the least family of the oh, least tribe, yes. blah, blah, blah. That's yes. exactly what Gideon said. <laughs> right. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Why are you picking me? I'm <laughs> yeah. of the least family of the least tribe of the, you know, whatever. I'm the on youngest, and on. And all of his <laughs> reasons he wasn't qualified. Well, Moses did that too. He's like, I can't talk. Pick somebody else. I know. love that. You've got two different kinds of people. You've got the kind like that that are like, why are you choosing me, God? I'm not qualified. And then you've got ones that maybe are a little too confident, confident that he has to yeah, bring down. Yes. Yeah. Peter yeah. might have fallen into that category <laughs> yeah. at the beginning anyway. But yeah. another example I thought too was the widow of Zarephath. She was getting ready to die of starvation. Yes. It was a famine. And mm-hmm. so she was just out one day gathering sticks to make their last little meal. And then yes. they were going to die. That's yes, what she yes, said. Yes, yes. So she's just out there doing the most mundane thing in the most depressing yes. situation, picking up sticks. And she encounters the prophet Elijah. Yeah, And God had already told him, you're going to meet this widow and ask yeah. her for her last bit of food. Yes. And anyway, it ends up being a huge miracle. And yes. as the prophet said, you're going to have enough flour and oil. It's going to keep coming. And, and it does. And it saved and, her and yes. her son. Well, I was thinking too, my favorite book in the Old Testament is Ruth. Uh-huh. Ruth was gleaning in the fields. Yeah, that's right. And it says it just so happened. That's in the scripture. And I used to teach this in my ninth grade Bible class. Those kids <laughs> love this story because I pulled it apart. The boys would say, oh, I, I want to be like Boaz. And the girls were like, oh, I want to marry a Boaz. Yeah. You know, because you pull that story apart as an awesome love story. But anyway, she's in the field. She's gleaning mm-hmm. in the field, mm-hmm. which was in those days, that's a very dirty job. Women could be raped in those fields because yeah. you're out no man's land and it's a man's place. Right. And she happens upon Boaz's field going to do a mundane thing because they needed money. She and Naomi, she needed to make money. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll go and do that thing yeah. because we need to survive. Right. So she didn't expect anything no. to happen that day. No, she would have just been day. happy if she found something to glean. Yeah. It hey. says that very day she happened on that field and it says that Boaz noticed her. You need to get a t-shirt that says, bring me a Boaz. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> Okay. But anyways, but yeah. we know there's life in the mundane. Yeah. Over and over and over again, we have that example. Yes. We're really out of time. That was fast. It always goes fast. Our prayer is that if you're out there and you're feeling like you're not doing anything meaningful, my life isn't going to amount to anything, be encouraged. Not only could that change at any moment, but even if it doesn't, there is so much meaning in you just being content and looking for opportunities just right there in your world. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You never know what God is going to do with that. You never know. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope.